Live from Detroit, it's the Lowdown on Motown Sports Podcast with your hosts, Dane Williams, Junko Bodie, and Bob Danielli. If you're looking for the best present to take to your mother-in-law's birthday party, you're in the wrong place, dude. We talk Michigan sports here. It's real, it's raw, and there are no punches pulled. What happens when you put a gambler, a rocket scientist, and a radio jock in the same room? Well, we're all about to find out, and it probably won't be pretty. But whatever happens, it will be lively. So grab a brew, sit yourself in your favorite rocker, and take notes if you're some kind of nutcase. The boys are back in town and talking about the stuff that matters, Motown sports. So let's get to it, people. Here is the host of today's show, Boogie Bob Danielli. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Lowdown on Motown Sports Podcast. How you doing? I'm your host and, and traffic cop for the next 45 to 50 minutes. My name is Bob Danielli, and as we take a look at the current situation in our local sports scene, with me today are two of my buddies who are frothing with excitement, and uh, we'll tell you why. But first, we have the creator of the Lowdown on Motown Sports Portfolio, it's Mr. Junko Bodie, JB. Hey, how you doing, Robert? Doing good, buddy. Now, also, the incredible force that is Mr. Blue Dane Williams. Hey, buddy. Go blue, baby. This is the weekend. <laughs> that is for sure. Well, all right. So first, before we get into like the meat of this podcast, we had a big weekend nationally. A lot of games that had a lot of importance on the CFP. Some upsets, uh, Junko, take it away. Yeah, you know, Bob, again, another week that made the college football playoff clearer. First of all, Tennessee's been getting kudos all year. I said early in the year I thought they were a pretender. I, I don't know if they're a pretender or a self-destruction team because mm. apparently they've got a big problem in their locker room. But they go down to South Carolina and get stomped 63-38 to 38 to take them completely out of the college football playoff picture either one of you guys spend much time watching that game last week because i thought it was a real telling game i didn't but i was disappointed to hear the outcome i thought there'd be a little bit more fight in them yeah i i watched like the first half and the, you know they were battling them very well and i kind of gave up on the game i was surprised the next day to actually see the score but I, i've got a yeah. good friend of mine that i work with who is a south carolina fan so he, he was a little reserved when I text him, you know, said, Hey, I said, Hey, go Gamecocks. He goes, well, you know, okay. Okay. But, uh, hell man, he had to be very happy with that score. You know, Randy, it's good that you stopped drinking that Tennessee Kool-Aid, man. That, that, Kool-Aid. Uh, you know what? I I've never been on the Tennessee bandwagon. I don't know I ever will be, but I was glad to see that happen to be honest for a lot really? of reasons. Oh yeah. Not a Tennessee fan. Anyway, Tennessee goes down and now they're out of the picture. And yep. then we also, right. saw. TCU once again survives. I don't know how they do it, man, but every, I don't know either. They're making a believer out of us, aren't they? They're like the comeback kids. And I don't think they've been ahead late in the fourth quarter of the last four or five games until the end. I mean, they are really living on a string. Did you guys watch that game? Mm-mm. No, I didn't see it. I oh. didn't see it. I, you know, I was kind of back and forth. I think it was on the same time as the West Virginia game. Of course, my wife's a West Virginia fan. So we we're watching that. So I, I was kind of flipping back and forth, but. I, I thought Baylor, you know, for Baylor, for their record, they <laughs> played a really good game. Unless TCU, I don't know that TCU deserves to be where they're at, but they're undefeated. Junko, you said that that was a, another come from behind victory for TCU. It was a tight game right up until the last few minutes. Right. I, I totally missed it. Actually, they won on the last play of the game. They kicked the field wow. goal. 
So it was okay. very similar actually to the Michigan ending where they, they kicked a field goal with just a few seconds left and they beat Baylor 29 to 28. So again, another game where TCU survives. And then right. there's Georgia, Kentucky, right? I don't really know what to say about this game. I mean, it isn't like Georgia had to look ahead. You know, the weather wasn't right. particularly bad. I don't understand why this game was as close as it was, but up, man, Kentucky put up a fight and I watched about half of that game. I'm really surprised at the score. How about you guys on that one? It seems like Georgia was just waiting in the pool. They knew they were going to win. They didn't have to show off. I think they got the number one seed pretty much locked up and Kentucky thought they had a contest on their hands. They wanted to prove something. Right. So the score is what it is, but Georgia, what else do they have to prove at this point? I think this was just another game that we saw. It's like, I don't know if it's a hangover weekend right before a big weekend coming up, but a lot of games, you know, we can talk about some of these later. We're really, you know, close and teams that we didn't think were going to score a lot or keep the game close against some teams really did. So it's interesting. It's interesting weekend how close a lot of these games were, or in the case of South Carolina, where the hell did South Carolina come from scoring, mm-hmm. you know, 63 points? I mean, that's crazy. Right. And of course, USC survives again. They just keep hanging around. Yeah, they do. And I, I don't know if you guys watched that game. I, I have particular interest in that game because former Michigan running back Zach Charbonnet is the running back for UCLA. And he had another good game for them. But the defense on those teams and same with Tennessee. It looks more like a track meet than a football game. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. going up and down the field. Guys are missed tackles. You know, there's gigantic holes in the line. You know, guys are running free. I've never seen defense like that in my life. I haven't seen defense like that since the Rich Rodriguez era. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What game was that? Indiana? Illinois. Illinois, 67, 65. I yeah. still have <laughs> nightmares about that game. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I think we misspoke last week. I thought the USC-UCLA game was the last game of the season. But, uh, no, USC has Notre Dame this weekend, and UCLA has Cal. So You were right to assume that. You would think a big rivalry like that would have been the last game of the season. Seeing how we are going into rivalry week, how about the Oregon game? Oregon and Utah, a number 12 taking down a number 10. Yeah, probably the second best game of the weekend. And that game went down like I thought it would go down. Both teams played very well on defense. Both teams were physical. A couple of big plays in that game tilted it Oregon's way. I thought all season Oregon was the better of the two teams. Yeah, no surprise there. But UCLA, Oregon, and Utah now are pretty much out of the college football picture. And the only Pac-12 team remaining is probably USC. And they're going to have their hands full with Notre Dame this weekend. I mean, when you think about it, when you say your biggest game is against a team that's not even ranked in the top 10, it gives you an idea how kind of, you know, weak of the schedule you played. Again, Oregon, I guess, and you could say Utah are both ranked in, in that conference. So, but USC, yeah, they're the probably the lone survivor for the CFP mm-hmm. race. Mm-hmm. How about the ACC? I just want to bring it up. I mean, North Carolina, they're talking North Carolina, right? So North Carolina ends up going down to Georgia Tech. You know, Georgia Tech is not a good team. Not a good team is an understatement. And North Carolina is probably going to play Clemson for the ACC championship. So even if Clemson wins, what does that say about Clemson? I mean, that ACC is just – I was looking at the ACC. Other than Clemson, they're like 500 ball or worse. I mean, Florida State's not god-awful. But, yeah, they're not a great team either, though, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, you're right. The ACC is awful. 
if Clemson gets in, given their performance this year, that would be criminal. Exactly. Yeah. And just for my son, a shout out to Navy taking down number 20 UCF. There you go. Go Navy. All right. Go Navy. Yeah. Anchors away. <laughs> Very right. cool. Very cool. Well, you know, we like to put some dollars down in a few games, but nobody does it the way Junko Bodie does it. Right. So how did Junko make his bucks this weekend? I made my money the old fashioned way. <laughs> I earned it. Yeah. So last week's picks, I went three and one. Everything kind of went the way that I thought it would, with the exception of the Stanford-Cal game. That's probably a game I shouldn't have played because Cal has been an unpredictable team this year, and I ended up losing that game by a couple of points. That was my one loser on the weekend. I did have Maryland plus 27.5 at home against OSU, and for a minute there, I thought they were going to pull up the gigantic upset. I mean, they played Ohio State right to the end. It was a late coup and score for Ohio State that even made it a 13-point game. I should have won that game by three touchdowns. I only won it by two. But yeah, Maryland covered easily against OSU. I had Iowa. I said all week long, I thought Iowa was going to win the West, and I thought they were going to take down Minnesota straight up, and they did. So I didn't even need the two and a half points. They won 13 to 10, but I think it was an easy cover. I'm sorry, Dane. I'm sorry your Gophers are out of the race now. I know you're really heartbroken. I am. I don't know what to say about the Gophers. I mean, it's been a running joke about Dane's love for the Gophers, but all he said at the first episode of the season was, I think they got a shot at winning the Big Ten West. It just took off from there. It was a little more. It was a little more than that. It was a little more than that. (laughs) Uh, Maybe they were number two or number three uh, team in the whole, you know, Big Ten. Yeah. I'm trying to cover for you, buddy. Okay. Thank you. Well, you know, I'm glad you you owed up to it, though, right? Oh, yeah. That was. uh... Yeah. And my last win was I said all along that I liked Michigan to win the game, but I liked Illinois to cover and they did cover. And Michigan was lucky to escape that game, which we're going to talk about next. Mm -hmm. Right, Bob? That is right. I got to tell you, we talked about the top teams surviving and Michigan survived. And during the course of the season, you're going to run into some challenges, but it sure was a little tight watching that game. Right. I want to hear what you guys think about that. Uh, oh, I was uh, on the edge of my seat for the pretty much the whole game. I was watching with my son Corbin here. They uh, came down to visit my daughter and him and you know, we're trying to remain calm. I'll just say that, see my hat, it's on backwards. Right. So I typically start a game with it the other way around, right? And then if Michigan gets into trouble, I flip it around backwards. I did that for the Illinois game. They came back and won. So not that I'm superstitious or anything, but I think. Boy, there again, you're you're applying science to this. (laughs) No, there's no science to that whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got to tell you, they flipped the script because usually, you know, they come on strong in the second half. And that's where I'm going, okay, you know, let's all remain calm. And then they just came out and really flat in the second half. I mean, not what I expected, right, Junko? So you guys know that my other daughter, Stacy, got married on Saturday. And so I, I was texting with the guys and I'm sitting there and I can see that Michigan's in field goal range just as Stacy's like entering the top of the aisle to come down. Right. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to have to shut this phone off like in two seconds. So I text Dane real quick. I go, what happened? And I just want to know whether they made the field goal or not. And thankfully he gave me a one sentence reply. So I could shut my phone off. And the whole time I took the bus over from the book Cadillac hotel downtown to the venue, which was at the war Memorial in gross point. And 
on that bus ride. I got my earphones in. I'm watching the game. I'm in disbelief. I'm in denial. I'm in disbelief. I'm watching Michigan be bullied a little bit at the line of scrimmage. I didn't mm-hmm. like that. I just didn't see them being able to match us at the line of scrimmage, and they did in this game. And I give kudos to Illinois for that and Brett Bielema, even though I think he's a crybaby. Definitely. You know, he points out all the plays that went against him, but he didn't seem to see that anything else went against us, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that offside was ridiculous. Oh, that there were yeah. a number of no calls. I mean, on pass interference, I think. And that holding on Zinter on the pass completion to Roman Wilson. Yeah, horrendous. That's a terrible holding call. And I will say, I thought the officiating was poor on both sides of the ball. But that's how those games go sometimes. And luckily, it seemed like it evened out pretty good. But it's a win, right? And mm-hmm. uh, our D was outstanding once again, right? We moved down the field pretty well. JJ was erratic, a number of overthrows. And the worst part of the game was Blake Corum going down with the injury and fumbling oh, yeah. at the same time when we were on the move. Yep. Which, if, you know, we gone down and, and scored a touchdown at that point, you know, the game's not as quite as close as it ended up being. But that when I saw Blake go out, holy, you know, what's going to go on here? You know, we don't have Edwards right now. Sounds like Blake's going to be okay. We're not going to know anything probably till game time, but uh, Blake and Edwards. I just saw potential disaster coming in one quarter of a football game where Blake could have gone out and we could have lost this game. And there you go. Everything we've talked about, everything we've hoped for is just flushed down the toilet. But like you say, didn't happen. So that's a good thing. Yeah. We had some key passes dropped too. I mean, you got oh, the, yeah. the walk on who dropped the pass and the second one he caught, he made sure that he caught that sucker. But, you know, I think asking the, uh, the backups to come in Stokes did pretty well. They took him out after a while though. And we saw, you know, Gash and I'm trying to remember the other guy's name, you know, we pulled it out. So that's, that's what counts in money Mooney, man. Shoo. Yeah. Thank God for Moody you. was awesome. in the Moody, game. excuse oh, me. Oh yeah. 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 Money Moody. Yeah. Yeah. Money right. Moody. <laughs> he did come through and you know what? That was a strong win. He just nailed it. So yeah, I, I, he nailed I them all. Yeah. yeah. I heard Harbaugh talk in the presser about how he thought the win had impacted Michigan's passing game. But I got to tell you, you know, I watched DeVito throw the ball. It didn't seem like it was bothering him that much. Right. You know, I think that's kind of a, sometimes that's a cop out. And I, and I didn't like him actually saying that about Michigan's passing game. The passing game for Michigan, it is what it is. Again, we talked about this last mm-hmm. week. They are who they are now. And I think right. Michigan's passing game is going to be hit and miss. That's just how they right. are. Let's just hope that in the Ohio State game, they get a couple of hits. Anthony could have caught that touchdown pass. That ball went right through his hands, right? Yep. You know, let's hope we don't get key penalties like the Zenner penalty where a big play comes back. We haven't had a defender miss a tackle on one of our wide receivers in an open field situation all season. Maybe we'll get one of those in the Ohio State game. You know, maybe we'll get a tip that goes in our favor. There's been things that have happened in Michigan this season where they really haven't been very lucky. And maybe we're saving that luck up for the Ohio State game. We'll see. Boy, that yeah, would be it's, fun. It's interesting that we're critical of that game. And I guess we should be. I mean, there are things they certainly could have done better. J.J. could have been better in the pocket. You know, and I thought maybe after his first overthrow, he was. He said, well, I'm going to compensate for the win, throw it a little harder. But I thought he would, you know, correct that after a while. And he had a hard time. But you know what? They're 11-0. and 0. 
So yeah, I got to tell you, I went through some of the game film this week, spent a little bit of time looking at what was going on at the line of scrimmage. And I will tell you, there were two or three occasions the Michigan defense got outnumbered, which is what we typically do to people, right? We'll shift a man in motion to gain an advantage on the edge, or we'll get a double team on the guard and have tackles play straight up and then run our tight end up through to the linebacker. And that's how we get a lot of the big gainers that we get. But when I watched the film on this game, I saw Michigan's defense getting outnumbered on that 37-yard touchdown run. That was just a numbers game. It was essentially six of them on four of our defenders. And that was a gift. And I know we, Jesse Mentor is a first-year coordinator for us. And, you know, it's not necessarily he's picking up a strategy that was that came from the Ravens and all that stuff. But it did look to me like there were a couple of times where we didn't have enough people in the right places. But that's got to stop. Now, again, we're nitpicking a team that just gave up 17 points to a pretty mm-hmm. good team, right? But we're going to play the best offensive team that we've played all season on Saturday. And their running game won't be as good as Illinois was, but their passing game is going to be a hell of a lot better. And we can't get outnumbered. We've got to make sure that we got the right number of bodies in the right places. For sure. Do we want to talk about that big game now? We covered last week's game. We want to move forward. It's going to be huge. (laughs) I love it. I love this time of year. I love the fact that it means something so huge. Tell me your thoughts on that, Junko. Well, I mean, it's the game, right? It's the game of games every year. And every time that Michigan and Ohio State go into it undefeated, it takes on a life of its own. Let's take a second and kind of run. Let's walk down memory lane here for a second and talk about our favorite Michigan-Ohio State game, right? I mean, everybody's got a different favorite. My particular favorite is 1997. And the reason it's my favorite not only is I'm a huge Charles Woodson fan. I think he's the greatest player at Michigan of all time. But I happened to be at that game, and I'll never forget his punt return in the second quarter of that game that got Michigan up 13 to nothing. Of course, they missed the extra point, but when they went up 13 to nothing in the third period of that game, Andre Weathers picked off a pass, took it the distance for a pick six touchdown for Michigan, and Michigan never looked back from that point. That's also the David Boston game where... He and Charles Woodson were doing all the trash talking. He, oh, he, he went up and each Woodson body slammed him. But he also caught a touchdown pass against Woodson in that game too. But uh, really, a lot of great personnel on both sides of the game there. Brian Greasy leading Michigan. Uh, Joe Germain leading Ohio State. A lot of great players on both sides of the ball. But that was the game where Michigan won the the made-up national championship. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, 97. Uh, and so here we are. What is that? 25 years ago. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would so say that's correct. Maybe we're going to win a national championship every 25 years. Right? <laughs> that's about it. I yeah. Mean, uh, yeah. For me, it, it, it has a, a little bit more of a personal touch to it because you remember the time and place and where you were. And uh, it was 1978 and I was working in Toledo. And so Toledo's got a very strange dynamic to it. There's just as many Michigan fans as there are Buckeye right. fans. Uh, we're actually closer to Ann Arbor than we are Columbus. But I was working at a radio station in 1978, and we had a, a big party the eve before the game. And it was just like I had felt the passion on both sides. And that's when you go, this is something more 
than a football game. I mean, people just got into it. And then, of course, the game didn't disappoint. That was Woody Hayes's ended up being his last game. Michigan won 14 to three. Bo got his winning record against Woody. He finished five, four and one. And that bowl season is when Woody Hayes lost his job by punching a Clemson player in the Gator Bowl. I'm sure the Clemson player deserved it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He tripped somebody on the sideline too. Didn't I don't he? know. He was on but, the sideline, he tripped somebody or some shit. Even <laughs> talking Toledo was, you know, this has got to be Woody's last year. He's kind of losing it. He's kind of berating his players for every little thing. It was just not a good look for the Ohio State coach or the head of the Ohio State program at the time. But yeah, I mean that, and then, you know, going back to 1969, when you're a kid and you're just starting to love sports, that's when the uh, 10 year war started. So it's just part of what makes you living in Michigan. You know, it solidified it in 1978 for me. Do you think Woody's temperament kind of set the stage for all Ohio state fans? (laughs) Oh, you know, that's an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, it's I, been I a generation into, since, but I, I mean, run into too many Ohio State fans. I like there are a few. There are a few. And my favorite game is with at least two of my one favorite fan down in Columbus. As you know, I lived in Columbus, Ohio. Yes, yes you did. From 1990 to 1995. And those were good years for Michigan. Mr. Cooper was the coach for Ohio. And he could win every single game, but he just couldn't beat Michigan. And that was his downfall. But my favorite game is in 1996. So I had left Columbus, moved back up to Michigan. I was up in Temperance, Michigan. And my good friend, who was my neighbor down in Columbus, invited me back for the game. Now, at the time, Ohio State was number two. And we were what? Number 21. So I go down there going, all right, I'll come down. I'm going to have to listen to all you Ohio fans, blah, blah, right, blah, blah, blah. I get down there. We're behind nine to six. Then all of a sudden, Greasy throws this slant pass to Ty Streets, and Ty Streets takes it all the way for a touchdown. We end up winning the game 13 to nine. And those Ohio fans, while they were, they really were great people. My neighbor were great people. He had other people there too. They got so wasted uh, just crying in their beer. <laughs> and I was just sitting back going, Hmm, nice game. Yeah. yeah you didn't, Life you is didn't, good. Yeah. You didn't dare gloat in Columbus though. Did you? I tried not to gloat, but, <laughs> and uh, that was the only touchdown in that game. So yeah, that was, uh, and, Amazing. that was my favorite. That was my favorite. Cause I happened to be around what I say really good Ohio fans and which are hard to find. And we won the game though. Very cool. Very cool. What else we got? Well, let's talk about the Ohio state perspective on the game. We haven't touched on that really. And right. You know, I mean, what's Ohio state fans. What, what is the team? What is Ryan day thinking this week as they head into this matchup? I mean, the way I look at it is that Ryan day, He's one and one against Michigan. He loses this game. He's one and two, right? You know how you get fired at Ohio State, Bob? How? You, you lose to Michigan. That's how, Yeah. right? I mean, it's, it, for that, that's how, you know, Cooper, I think, had won 90-something percent of his games, but he had lost a bunch of games to Michigan, and that's how he got the boot. I happened to watch Ryan Day's press conference this morning, and 
you know, he's saying the right thing. He's doing all the coach speak about the game, but you can tell that there's a nervousness in Columbus over this game, Hmm. right? Last year, the narrative was the weather was bad, you know, whatever, you know, I I forget all the excuses they had for last year, but there was probably, there was like a list of them. So now they're going to come in. looks like it's going to be a reasonably good day in Columbus on Saturday. Are they going to get bullied again at the line of scrimmage? What's Ohio State thinking? What are they, what are they thinking they have to do? I know exactly what they're thinking. Unfortunately, after watching JJ's performance in the passing game, the last few games, I say they, you know, they're going to do what everyone else did against us. They're going to load the box. They're going to load the box. They're going to stop the run. And that's all we've done is run, run, run. They're going to force us to pass. And so if I were Ohio State, that's exactly what I would do. I'd bring everybody up, load the box, blitz, rattle JJ, and uh, get him off his rhythm, keep him from running. And if they do that, and he's forced to pass more than we want him to, it could be a long game. What do you think about the weather? Let's take that for example. Is Ohio State rooting for a really good day weather-wise? And if it is a really good day and they're stacking the box, isn't that give J.J. a good opportunity to make some big plays in the passing Mm -hmm. game? Or is Ohio State saying, hey, we know Michigan can't pass. Let's turn this into a slugfest of the line of scrimmage, use our superior, and I put that in quotation marks, five-star athletes to uh, dominate Michigan. I mean, my mind thinks that Ohio State wants good weather because they want to be able to throw the ball. Oh, yeah. I mean, look at them against Northwestern in that game. <laughs> right? right. So they definitely want good weather because they want to be able to sling it out there against our secondary. You know, our secondary is a little, maybe a little suspect at times. You talk about suspect, and I thought one of the knocks against Ohio State this year was their defense isn't as good as it should be. That's maybe one of their weak points. Well, that was really scored 30, you know. Yeah. Other teams have scored quite a few points against them. They've just yeah. been able to, our offense has been able sure. to score more than, you know, what the defense has given up. So, yeah, you're so right. Let them rush, let them fill the box, and, and we can pick it apart with short passes, run pass options, screen passes. We can do that. Yeah, I mean, where would you guys rank Ohio State's defense against the teams that the defenses that we play this year? For example, are are they better than Iowa? Are they better than Penn State? Are they better than Illinois? Are they better even than Michigan State on the defensive side? Yeah, I would say they're comparable to Illinois, actually. You know, so if our passing game, you know, is what it was, we could be struggling. And, And obviously, the Ohio State offense is much better than the Illinois offense. Well, they're a better passing offense. I don't um, know. Pass, so I don't, not running. Passing, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That's a real good question. I'll tell you what, I, I would actually have to think about that one before I, I just fly off with an answer, because that's a good way to put it in perspective. Maybe their weak point or their Achilles heel is their defense, but what defenses have we faced? And that should tell how we're going to do against the Buckeyes defense. I think you could say that Illinois had the best defensive game plan against us. I thought maybe the best defense we had played was Iowa, um, although Penn State played us decently. Yeah. But we did run the ball better against both those teams than we did Illinois. And I got to tell you, I think Illinois is better defensively in the front seven anyway than Ohio State is. Good. Okay. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I think we're going to find out right away. We're going to find out two things right away. And we haven't really talked about the elephant in the room yet, which is Blake Corum. Right. Right. 
if we can go out and we can establish the run against Ohio State, I think things bode very well for the Wolverines on Saturday. I, I would agree. Blake, I heard, is going to play. What about uh, Edwards? Yeah, he's going to play, but the question is how... How effective? Yeah, I mean, how hurt is he? I mean, that's 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 the question, right? I mean, I, even this week, I, I, when he caught that one pass that took off down the sidelines, he had a step on that defender. I thought that was over, and that guy ran him out of bounds, right? So mm-hmm. he doesn't look like he's 100%. I mean, I know he's not the fastest guy on the team, but I thought he was faster than that. I thought he gave up on that play a little bit, or it was gassed. That's what my son said. It looked like he was gassed, you know, yeah. and uh, I don't know. It looked like he just said, yeah, I can't outrun this guy. I'm going to step out of bounds, right? You know, I don't know if that means that he's injured or maybe the wear and tear of the season's caught up with him a little bit or more, like you said, maybe he was just gassed because of something that happened to the player two prior. But to me, that was a little concerning. Well, this is Ohio. So, I mean, as a play, look, Coram came back in the second half the Illinois game. He only ran a couple of plays and he was out, but he still was willing to come back. Now this is the Ohio game, right? Edwards, Corum, anybody that can stand on two legs, I think is going to be in there. They held people out the last few games to rest them up because we pretty sure we could win the games. This is Ohio. Yeah. They're not going to well, hold people out. There's no I, reason to. I thought I heard that Edwards had a broken hand. Uh, and Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, and if he's got a broken hand, we really want him handling the ball in the Ohio State game. That's my question, right? Yeah, yeah. They're going Uh, out for passes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and it kind of comes down to, too, who else is out, right? I mean, you know, we've been out without Keegan at left guard now for two or three games. You know, I heard Trente Jones is back. I saw him out in the field a couple times the last couple weeks. Uh, You know, is he going to get some run? Are we going to get Schoonmaker back? We've already lost our number one tight end in Eric Hall for the season. You know, we got to lose our number two guy, too, for the Ohio State game. I mean, those guys matter. Oh, yeah, uh, they do big time. Yeah, and I think J.J.'s better throwing to the, obviously, <laughs> to the tight ends than he is to the wide receivers. The tight ends respond better to J.J.'s passes, or maybe it's just that it's shorter passes. But the, the wide receivers, you know, before the season, remember we were talking about, wow, we got this great wide receiver core, blah, blah, blah. They have not materialized. Other than maybe, you know, Roman Wilson. And he's been injured a little bit, but uh, Anthony Bell, I would say Bell's played pretty well. I mean, he's, he's had some great catches and, and, and run after the catch, but the rest of the core has just not been there. Yeah. I will say starting the year, I thought Michigan linebackers were going to be the biggest reason for concern. And I still am concerned about that unit. You could see it in the Illinois game. They did not get to some places they needed yeah. to get to. But I will tell you, the biggest disappointment has been the wide receiver room. Um, mm-hmm. They just really haven't seemed to make a lot of plays. Again, starting on Saturday, it's a new season, right? I mean, Everything's on the table. Everybody stops is available. Right. Any, yep. any sins that you've committed during the season can be absolved on Saturday. Right? Oh, yeah. Yep. So yep. we shall see how that goes. I mean, and I mean, look at the quarterback matchup, too. Let's talk about the quarterback matchup, J.J. versus C.J., right? Dane, why don't you talk about why J.J. can be the more successful one, and I'll talk about why C.J. can. Okay. If they will allow, I mean, C.J. is a good running quarterback, too. When he sees a lane, he takes off. I think that's the problem with J.J. is sometimes when he sees a lane, he's more willing to throw rather than taking off. 
So I would say JJ can see that lane and take off running more often. I think that will be good. He's been running around the end. He needs to run right up the middle, basically slide, don't get injured. But he's been trying to run around the end. And then these defenses that we're playing here lately are a little faster and they're running them down. JJ, as far as uh, passing, boy, CJ's got the better receivers. Uh, I mean, he throws it up to Harrison. Harrison pulls it down. You see these Ohio State players, you know, just pulling down these passes. You see Michigan receivers not pulling down the pass, dropping them. JJ's a little behind sometimes on some of these receivers, too. He's uh, not right on target. And then we saw the last game where he overthrew them. So I think JJ can win that battle by seeing the field a little more. There was one play where tight end, um, what's, what's the freshman's name? Blank. Colston Loveland. <laughs> Loveland, yeah. Right. Loveland was wide open in the end zone, and it, he didn't see him. Yeah, uh, you know, he's a short guy. I saw that. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's got to see the field a little more, and then he's got to know when to cut bait and run, and run more up the middle than around, you know, go, trying to go around the end because they're, they're just – and Ohio's just too fast for him to go around the end. So – I think that's the key to JJ playing better than CJ. I, I agree with you. I think JJ needs to use his legs a little bit more than he has. And I think probably the same is true for CJ. Here's the truth and the scare for both teams is that if either one of these quarterbacks takes a hit and goes out of the game, mm-hmm. the, the team that loses their quarterback is going to be at a huge disadvantage in this game, right? Our, like our backup quarterback, better Davis. than... Yeah, Davis better. Davis Warren, Warren better. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. better than Ohio State. So I yeah, can't even tell you. Yeah, I think he, I think he's solid. He's very solid. Right. So I think that's why Brian Day has told CJ not to run this year. But this is the Michigan game, right? So we yeah. may see CJ. And let's be honest. The, one of the things that hurts the Michigan defense the most is a mobile quarterback. So right. it'll be interesting to see how they use CJ in this game versus JJ. You know, how J.J., in my opinion, can win is by being a little bit smarter with the ball. There's been times this year where he's just kind of locked on to his receiver early on, and you can see the entire defense rotating toward the side of the field that he looks. And again, they are who they are. We talk about this all the time. But if there's one drill I was working on this week with him in practice, it would be looking one way and throwing the other. I think there's a huge opportunity for him to use his eyes to move his safety for one or two big plays in this game. I don't think it'll happen, but that's a way that J.J. could win. Again, the key for both teams is to keep those two quarterbacks healthy. Well, hope so. You know, if one goes out, you're always going to say, well, we lost our quarterback. So we don't want that built-in excuse for the hey, loser. If that gets us a victory, I'll take it. They can they can say it all day long. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, for and, us, I mean, I think it's Corm and Edwards. I mean, all year we've leaned on the running game. And they've run well. Corm Edwards and Mike Morris. I mean, Mike Morris, I think, needs to come back. I hope he's back on defense. I mean, he is a, he's a playmaker on defense, and, and we need him. Yeah, he was dressed last week, so I think he'll play this weekend. Again, I agree with you, Dane. I think that's a big returning advantage for us to get Mike back on that defensive end. Here it is. It's the game. What's at stake for both teams, right? Well, Obviously, there's a, there's a Big Ten championship and a possible shot at the national championship mm-hmm. uh, at stake. Then we talk a little bit about what Ryan Day has at stake, right, in terms of his job security. What does Harbaugh have at stake? 
he can pretty much validate last year's game. It's uh, two in a row, and now he's finally got the Michigan program on track. If for Michigan, they move up a notch, don't they? I mean, I don't see him going to number one, but they do move up a notch if they beat Ohio. So, I mean, they're just in a better position when they win. You know, the truth is, is that if they win this game, if Michigan wins this game, they could end up at number one going into the CFP because Georgia's going to have at least one tough game ahead of them. And Michigan's going to be heavily favored if they face Iowa in the championship game. So they could just, by not doing anything, they could move into the number one position. They could. Yeah. All right. It's still the the, the schedule, I think, Georgia will still. Unless Georgia loses to, uh, you know, to LSU or something, then uh, that would change things. I think the Missouri game and the game they just played this week against Kentucky have taken the narrative out that George is a lot better than last year and is way better than everybody else. I don't think that narrative's out there. I think, I think the reason they're number one is they're undefeated in the SEC, right? Sure. Once yeah. they lose a game, there may be a narrative that, hey, they had a couple of games and they have a loss. Right. Yeah, that's good. It'll be good. So what do they need to do well? I think we've covered a few things, but I mean, let's kind of like solidify it. So Junko, what are a few things that Michigan needs to do well to win this game? I've got three things they need to do well. One is they need to control the line of scrimmage. Okay. They need to do it better than they did it against Illinois. They need to do it like they did it against Penn State and Iowa. They need to go out. They need to be able to run the football when they need to run it. That's one. Two, they definitely have to win the turnover battle. If they turn the ball over or if somehow Ohio State has you know, more turnovers than they do, I think that's a recipe for a Michigan loss. The third thing, I think they need to contain Marvin Harrison. You know, Dane says their receiving room is a lot better than ours. I don't think it is, I, but I do think they have the best receiver in the game with Marvin Harrison. Do you know that he has caught 47% of their completions? That's half the throws that are made by the quarterback go to one yeah. guy. We cannot let one guy beat us. Right. We got to make them throw it to the other guys. And I think you got to take Marvin Harrison out of the game. Those are my three keys to winning. Dane, what do you got? We need our one-two punch back. Uh, we need Corum and Edwards back. Right. Right. That's our one-two punch. That's what it's been all season. Even when teams knew we were going to run, we were still able to run against them. You know, maybe we didn't have the big plays, so we were picking up four, five, six yards, and that's that's huge. I think, secondly, yeah, the O-line needs to protect, well, one, needs to open holes for the running game and then protect J.J. when he's back passing. So, we, you know, there's going to be some blitzing on Ohio, Ohio's part, I'm sure, but uh, they need to be able to protect him. And then, finally, again, with Junko said, we got to be able to cover Harrison Jr. well, then we got to rattle him. Somehow we got to rattle him, you know, hit him hard. If he misses a pass, you know, get in his face. So I, I you know, just curious, I, I you know, is, is Turner going to be uh, covering him? <laughs> Probably, which is, uh, we'll see. So those are my three things. So we need the one-two punch, the O-line protection. And we yep. got, like Randy said, we can't let one guy beat us. Well, I, I think, I think Blake needs to have the kind of game that, that, helped some conversation about him winning the Heisman. He had a couple games in a row there where all of a sudden he's in the, he's in the Heisman conversation, but of course that was short lived, but he needs to have that type of game. And then, and then to have the Ohio state uh, defense on its heels with a few short passes with, you know, going and they got to catch the ball. I mean, you know, there are a couple drop passes 
in the Illinois game where you just go, this would be a different game if they would just catch those passes. So everybody's just got to be a little bit sharper. That's all. Yeah, and you make a good point there, Bob, about the Heisman. I mean, we talked about what teams have, what's at stake for both teams. The Heisman Trophy is at stake for either probably CJ or Blake, mm-hmm. right? But talk yeah. about a huge development. I mean, if Blake goes out and he puts up 200 yards and CJ Stokes gets beat in this game, no right. matter what he throws for, I see that as a big tilt toward Blake Corum. So, yeah, the Heisman's probably at stake in this game as well. Good. Well, I'm glad you liked one of my points. <laughs> just one, just one. Though. Yeah, we, we got to the last game of the season and you actually liked something I said. Yeah. Well, do we want to talk about how we see it playing out? Any predictions? Yeah, go ahead, Dan. You go first. I'll follow up. I've got to go with my boys. I, I really do. And, and, you know, looking at the games that have been played, it's going to be super close, super close. I think it's going to be, like a field goal. I'm going to go 27, 24 Michigan only because I got to go with my boys, but I, I think it's, it's going to be no more than a field goal the way these teams are playing. Yeah. I got a little different look than that. And I think Dane, a lot of it comes down to what the weather is like in Columbus on Saturday. So I think if the weather is good, like it's supposed to be, looks like it's going to be mid forties and sunny, according to the five day out forecast or whatever it is. If that's the case, I think it's a race to 30 points. I think the winner of the game will have 30 plus points. And the question is really, can Michigan get to 30 plus points in Columbus? I don't know if they can. The line started out at nine and a half points this week. It's now down to seven and a half. The over under is 57. Well, first of all, I really like the under. Like Dane, I think the game's going to be a little lower scoring. And if we get weather, it'll be well under 57. It'll turn into a rivalry game. It might be a 24-20-2017 type game. But if the weather's good, I think it's going to be a game that's going to be like 34-31, you know, could be 38-30, something like that. And then the game in that scenario would be over. But I think the game's going to be under. I think, I think it's going to be cold, hoping for a little snow or at least some rain or something. The worse the weather, the better it works into Michigan's game plan for sure. Yeah, I would agree. But I'm going to say uh, my prediction would be I'm going to say it's going to be Ohio State 35, Michigan 31. Ooh, you loser. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, loser. that's my betters mind saying now I'm going to be rooting like crazy for Michigan. Oh, sure. Course. Let me yeah. ask you why the line went down two points from one just a few days is it where the money's going it's the heavy money yeah so vegas puts out a line kind of kind of test the waters they put it out at 9.5 and then it goes to 7.5 when all the money starts going to michigan right because i think a lot of people think it's going to be a close game Mm -hmm. and uh, so they like the nine and a half points got it so there you go yeah yeah i i just didn't know if it was some revelation that we missed in you know who was playing and who wasn't so right Regardless of the outcome, I just one thing on the disparity between the divisions, you know, we're going to have one 12 and 0 team. We're going to have an 11 and one team and probably Penn State's going to be 10 and two. Mm. And then you've got the winner of the West division at eight and four. Give me a break. (laughs) Right. That's all I have to say. Well, I've got Michigan winning because that's where my heart is. And also scoring 31 points because I think I still go back to everything I've read or heard about Ohio State's defense being 
weaker this year. So I'll, I'll just say 31-24 Michigan. I love you, Bob, because you're always the rosy optimist. There you go. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, we don't need to dwell too much on this, but we should mention Michigan State's loss to Indiana, 39-31, a real disappointing game. Overtime, missed field goals, just not where you want to be when you're trying to become bowl eligible. Right. How frustrating was it for MSU? I mean, they fought their way back to become bowl eligible, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, they were right there on the doorstep. They're playing maybe the worst team in the Big Ten, if not the second to worst team. You know, they're 10 and a half point favorites and they get beat to go five and six. And now they got to play Penn State next week where they're going to be right. big dogs. I think they're, I think I saw the line was like 18 points. Yeah. You know, maybe this was the week when the loss of the defensive personnel, you know, due to the suspensions, right, showed up and bit them. I don't know. This loss is almost inexplicable to me. Against Indiana? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, no. You, I mean, you I had mean, everything very... going for you. Oh, yeah. You, you play Michigan to the whistle. You played hard against Michigan, right? You, you go out and you beat Illinois. Then you come back and you get beat by Indiana. Come on. Why do you do that? And again, Peyton Thorne and the offense played well enough to win, right? They, right. Did, they did a lot of good things there. But, you know, this was a game where the script got flipped on them. They were the team all year that had been gritty and, and playmaking at the right time. And they just, this week, they just couldn't seem to get it done. So it's a real disappointment for Michigan State this week. Yeah, yep. yeah. maybe they can salvage against uh, Penn State. But 18-point dog? That's rough. Well, and Penn State's got a lot to play for, too. They're playing for big bowl considerations. And, I mean, they can't win the Big Ten, but they could make some noise nationally mm -hmm. in the final rankings. And final rankings are big when it comes to recruiting. So, yeah, you know Penn State's going to show up. It's in Crappy Valley. So, uh, I think, yeah, it's going to be very difficult for Michigan State to pull this one out. Dane, I didn't know it was called Crappy Valley. When it is you? Crappy Valley. Oh, okay. I renamed it a few years ago. I see. <laughs> it didn't stick very well with some of my Penn State buddies, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, think, I think we're all in agreement that this is just becoming bowl eligible would have been a huge task and quite an accomplishment after their start, but they let it all go down the toilet uh, this past weekend. Yep. So any shot at a score? I'll go first on this one. Uh, let's see, score predictions. I'm going to say, well, Penn State's not an offensive juggernaut. I tell you what, I really like the under in this game too. So I didn't give my picks earlier today. I would say under in the Michigan game, under in the Penn State-Michigan State game. I'm going to say this final score is Penn State 31, Michigan State 10. Okay. Yeah. Dane? Last I can see how we're all enthused for this prediction. Yeah. Well, last last week, you know, Penn State did blow Rutgers. I mean, 55 to 10. So they, they can score. It was Rutgers. I got Penn State like 35, 17. That's exactly what I wrote down. Really? Penn State 35, 17. Great yep. minds think alike. I'm telling you, must yeah, be. Yeah, the, the, must the be. guys for blue think alike. <laughs> I don't know about this other guy. Where did he come from? He's got that hardened heart. Of a gambler <laughs> is what it is. Thinking of the tin man with no brain, but anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. Well, wow. you know, and really, if we're talking about the scarecrow and the tin man, and we'll talk about the lions coming up, 
You see what I did there? Oh, hey. good segue, Bob. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what? They just don't give these microphones <laughs> to chimpanzees. Let me tell you. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Big Ten West and also some Lions trivia. We're going to take a break right now for this word from Sport Hitters. So what's it like playing Sport Hitters? Whether you're at your favorite bar or just anywhere. Sport Hitters' unique challenge brackets offers players a new way to play. Sport Hitters allows you to pick your teams and challenge friends, family, and rival players all for real money. And best of all, now it's every sport, every day. You can get the app exclusively at sporthitters.com. Sport Hitters, challenge on. All right, we're back, and we're just going to touch really quickly on the Big Ten West. We already talked about the weaker of the two divisions in the Big Ten. So, uh, Junko, just lead us off real quick. Well, Dane and I talked about this, and again, I'm sorry, Dane, Minnesota, Probably got eliminated this week when Iowa beat them. But I was reading on 247 Sports this week that now Iowa is an 84% favorite. In other words, has an 84% chance to beat Nebraska and win the Big Ten West. And the only other team really that has a shot now after Saturday's games is Purdue. And the only way can Purdue can win is if Iowa stumbles in their game against Nebraska. Yeah, Nebraska. So there you go. And you know, that game is Friday night, mm. which is interesting. So Friday night, we'll know a lot more about, obviously, if Iowa wins, they're in. That's it. It's over. But if yeah. Nebraska wins, yeah. <laughs> it'll be interesting. But it is at Iowa. I, I don't yeah. expect, and Nebraska has been just so bad all season. I, I don't see Iowa the way they've come back, slumping to Nebraska. So We see a Big Ten championship game of Michigan or Ohio State against Iowa is that what you see Junko oh absolutely that's okay. it that's gonna that's gonna be the scenario I think yeah. the Michigan Ohio State winner is gonna get Iowa once again in the Big Ten championship game mm. and who would have thunk five weeks ago that Iowa could have got to the Big Ten championship game no, right? no way especially after that first game seven to three against what South Dakota State oh my <laughs> lord yeah that's why they play the games there you go <laughs> yeah it's fun to look back and and see how this whole season started and where we are today which brings me to some Lions trivia We'll talk about the Lions in a second, but I want to throw this out here. Of course, here we go. Another fine tradition along with the big game. We've got the Thanksgiving Day game. And in the very beginning of the season, when we talked about our Lions predictions, we were all very, very tepid in our predictions. But I just wanted one thing. To have the Lions Thanksgiving Day game mean something. And I think we got it. It actually does mean something, right? Well, yeah, thanks. There are three wins in a row. Yeah, they're they're in the hunt. Now, the Buffalo Bills are coming into town, and they might have stayed here. I don't know. They played at Ford Field on Sunday. They might have just (laughs) stuck around, you know, checked out uh, Greek town. Who knows? But they've played the Bills three times on Thanksgiving Day. The first one was in 1976, and the Lions won that game 27 to 14. The Buffalo Bills featured the running back by the name of, uh, you may have heard of him, O.J. Simpson. Oh, that guy. Yeah. That game, he rushed for 273 yards and scored both of the Bills' touchdowns. However, not to be outdone, the Lions had their running back rush for 137 yards in that win. Was it A, Mel Farr, B, Dexter Bussey, 
or C, Alti Taylor. What year How was far? it? 1976. Mel Far. 1976. Dane's <laughs> got Mel Far. Well, you know, Dexter Bussey was after 1976. So what was the other one? Alti Taylor. Taylor. I'm going to go with Alti Taylor. I give you guys three chances and you're wrong. <laughs> it was it Dexter Bussey. Dexter Bussey. Oh, God. I thought Dexter Bussey was in the 80s. Yeah. Melfar, Melfar was done like by 1973. Yeah. Um, and Alti Taylor was Bussey's backup. Okay. <laughs> now, here a little side note. The Lions special teams assistant coach for that year was a man by the name of Bill Belichick. Oh, huh? Hmm. About that? About that? <laughs> Always something to come away with here. Yeah, with Lions trivia. So once again, good job, Robert. So now the Lions winning three in a row. They're undefeated in the Hawkinson-less era. So they <laughs> traded <laughs> Hawkinson. They fired their defensive back coach, and they're three and zero. Oh. So, I mean, what do we make of that? What does it mean? It means they played the Bears and the <laughs> right and well, the, the, and the, the Giants. Giants the no Giants slouches. Are, they're pretenders. It's yeah, seven and two. Yeah, wow. seven well, or seven and three now, I guess. But no, aren't they eight and three? I don't know. Yeah, no, anyway, I think they're seven and three. I mean, anyway. seven and four. Or, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I, I think they're pretenders. I don't know, Dane. I think the Lions still have a long way to go. I, I'm not drinking the Kool Aid yet. I tell you what, the running game looked pretty darn good. I mean, uh, Swift was good. Who's the other running back? Williams. I think Williams was. looks really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he's a he's a power running back. He he looked good. I think he scored three times, didn't he? Yeah, I think he did. The passing game was okay, and the defense. I mean, Aiden, man, I'm a big Aiden fan. I mean, oh, him gosh. dropping back for that interception. Yeah. It wasn't an easy interception. It's not like it hit him in the breadbasket. No. He had to reach up for that one, come down with it. And then him, uh, you know, jumping Recovering. on that fumble. Yeah. No, he had you a know, great game. I mean, those were big, big game changers How about, there for a rookie. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you talk about, you know, not drinking the Kool-Aid yet. I'll say I'm sniffing it, not drinking it. <laughs> but it is a good sight to see that, that uh, Brad Holmes's draft, uh, even Kirby Joseph, that's his guy. The guy that uh, intercepted that one pass and, and ran it back. Um, so that means hey, and listen to this, you, you know, what does the win mean for the Detroit lions? It means that they now have a better record than the Los Angeles Rams. <laughs> and I didn't we, realize that we have the Rams first round pick. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, like I said, I'm sniffing the cool. All I can say gonna... is Matt Stafford, keep throwing those pick sixes, baby. <laughs> yeah. That's right. yeah. So that's good. I mean, so we continue with this social experiment we call the Detroit Lions. We keep on coming back every week. Dane, you got anything else to add? I, I just so, you know, it would be great if they won Thanksgiving Day. It's been so yeah. long since we've seen, like Madden used to have them chowing on the turkey leg, you know. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. But it, it would be nice. But the bills are so tough. They are. We'll, we'll see. It's on CBS, so I think there's the Phil Simms Iron Award or something like that. What does he give out at the end of the game? I think an anvil or an iron, something like I that. Don't know. All I know is uh, Mr. Styler is driving all the way down from Bar Harbor to, to see the game. It'll be his 55th year in a row of him and not Harry, I don't think, did all 55 years, but him and Harry are going to the game. And then he's driving all the way back up. He's so driving back. Kudos so. to him on that, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, now the basketball season 
for Michigan and Michigan State is in full swing. Any thoughts on that as we start to kind of round third and head home here? I'll just say that Michigan is playing their way out of the top 25, watching yeah, a couple definitely. of their games recently. They got some real issues at guard. I don't know if, if that Jalen Llewellyn is really Big Ten quality guard. We're going to find out, I guess. Uh, I mean, it's early, and I know a lot of the Michigan point guard transfers over the last couple of years had trouble early on, you know, adapting to Juwan's style of play. But I've been not very encouraged by what I've seen by their team, both from an effort and athletic perspective. I Both are lacking. Hmm. Yeah, they struggled against Ohio. That's Ohio University. And, uh, you know, got blown out by Arizona State. So I see them. <laughs> a pretty metacore Arizona State team. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I do see them on their way down. It, I think unless something changes, they can't just rely on Hunter getting 30 points a game, 31 points a game. They've got to pick it up. And the other is like, especially like uh, JR was talking about uh, Junko there, that the guards need to play much better. Yeah. Yeah. Where MSU is concerned, I see MSU as being the opposite. I see MSU as on the way up. You know what I love about Tom Izzo is he schedules tough competition early in the year and he gets that team ready for the conference schedule. You don't get your team ready for conference schedule by playing passes. MSU, I like their style of play. They're up and down the floor. Their guard play isn't as good as it's been in years past either. I don't really like Hogarth that much. I think he turns the ball over. It seems to make a lot of mistakes, uh, but I do like the rest of that team. I like Hall a lot. I just think that they've got a lot of talent on that team. Joey Hauser is one of those swing players for them. That, that When he plays well, they play well. Unfortunately, I haven't seen Joey play well in a lot of back-to-back games, but you know he's an upperclassman now. Maybe this will be the year where he shows out. Cool. Now we got a lot to learn, right? There's a lot to go on. Even though we're winding down, the college football season. We got the bowl season coming up and pro sports will always be around. Then we've got the college basketball season. So there'll be lots for you to come on in and join us on the Motown sports podcast. We'd like to know what you guys think though, or, you know, give us a little feedback on the Facebook page that is low down on Motown sports. Give us some feedback on what you'd like to have us talk about. And we'll probably just do what we want anyway. So (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. We do want to know. We want to hear from you guys. And thanks to all the listeners who are always there. And we're growing, right, Junko? We've picked up a few listeners here and there. We are doing well. Yes. Of course, we have to tell our friends that are a little older than us uh, that it's not (laughs) something that you have to like schedule. You know, they go, well, what time is it on? No, it's... (laughs) Podcasts don't work that way, man. <laughs> well, what station is it? No, it's not. So anyway, I want to thank everybody that gets it. And even some of those that don't come on, join the party. The Lowdown on Motown Sports Network is part of the Lowdown on Motown Sports Facebook group. Come on down and join us. We'll keep the podcast growing. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next week. See you guys. Bye all. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Lowdown on Motown Sports Podcast. If you're liking what you're hearing, then why don't you do us a solid and hit that follow button and share our podcast with fellow friends who love Motown sports. That helps others find the show. And, you know, we're pretty awesome, so why not share the awesomeness? We appreciate it. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Lowdown on Motown Sports Podcast.